Who were you before you lost your wild self? That's what we're helping you explore on the Tend Her Wild podcast. Through questions and tools around how best to listen to your inner voice, rewild ourselves, and live the most authentic life where we thrive instead of survive. I'm Betsy. And I'm Kate. And we're so glad you've joined us for this episode. This is Kate. And this is Betsy. And welcome to the Tend Her Wild podcast. Before we dive into our topic for today, we want to invite all of you to an upcoming urban renewal retreat that Kate and I are a part of September 23 to the 25th of this year at the Hotel Vetro in downtown Iowa City. Kate and I just completed a powerful program called Tend Her 2.0 with 1,050 women. And the team that was a part of that agreed that while it was really powerful to energetically feel this group of women together, we wanted the opportunity to actually be in person with this group. Yes, And so we put together a weekend-long workshop around the same theme of returning to self, returning to your body, your heart, your intuition, and how you connect with others. So if you were a part of the Tinder experience, and even if you were not, this experience stands alone. If you're wanting to create some connection, feel support of like-minded others, and have some time to dive into yourself in a more mindful way, we'd love to have you join us. It's going to be a beautiful weekend, and we would love to see you there. Yeah, and if you've never retreated before, I will say um, it can be scary at first. A, we don't believe we have the time. Mm-hmm. B, we're worried about how our family's going to do when we're not around. Right. And yet when we actually get away and do this deep inner work, it's amazing how we re-enter our lives with a fresh perspective and how everyone around us benefits. Yes. The, and the benefits go on for... They do. It's ripple. reverberations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're going to put in the show notes where you can check this out. And again, we'd love to see you join us. Yes. So in today's episode, Kate and I are going to talk about truth. 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 So we are coming off of this experience of being in deeper communion with self. That was the whole theme of this month-long course that we were a part of, connecting to ourselves, Mm -hmm. which in essence means connecting to our truth. And I happened to open an old journal of mine this week and came across this quote and I can't even I I didn't write in my journal where I found this so I hate to say I can't even give um, (laughs) attribution attribution to anyone but it's a powerful one and both Kate and I were like yeah that feels really tied into what we want to talk about today so here goes human life is a most difficult classroom until you learn the simple fact that your truth is your purpose, your power, your salvation, your fulfillment, and your way. Once you can truly believe that, life becomes the joyous and abundant garden that it is meant to be. It's a really beautiful quote. Yeah. And really fits in with the conversations of the last month. Yeah. 
helping women, us included. Absolutely. Return to our truth. Yeah. And kind of dissect it and explore it, be curious about it, understand it, in some ways accept it. Yeah. 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 And it feels like such a simplistic thing, right? That of course we have a truth and if we have that as our guiding beacon, life becomes, as this quote says, this joyous and abundant garden. But the quote also starts with human life is the most difficult classroom. And Mm -hmm. I think that's why it's so hard for us to really tune in and find truth. And so we want to talk today about like why we (laughs) get disconnected from our truth, the many factors that get in the way of us finding our truth um, and how truth is, it's kind of constantly changing too. So it does require us to keep listening in. Right. Yeah. I think as we started talking about it, um, and when you start delving into your own truth, you really, like we did in the program, you look at different parts of your life, times of your life, big moments in your life where your truth kind of comes through or is maybe rediscovered and, and it's a, it's a, it's a powerful, there's a lot of power in returning to your truth or understanding your truth. And I think that we've found during this program that a lot of women are ready to reclaim their power. Yeah. They're ready to listen to their truth. Yes. And in some ways I think, um, I'll speak for myself, but listening to my truth has been really scary. It's really scary because for years, my truth was guiding me away from well-established structures that I had learned about early on in life and kept me safe. So I would hear my truth loud and clear, but I would be really scared to follow it. Like I remember initially in college, I was pre-med. And so that felt like something that would make my parents proud and something that would bring me success. And yet my truth was that I hated chemistry and I hated biology. And, you know, I was drawn to the fine arts and I was drawn to psychology. And so I had to kind of extricate myself or shift my whole vision of what my life was going to be. And then I remember I finally got into psychology and then I was going to follow this academic route because that's what all my professors said is the way to go. Like if you're a good student, you should go into academics. And there came a point where I was like, no, I think I want to go work at this holistic healing center and learn energy work. And, but that again was a, was leaving sort of what was the traditional route that so clearly was being shown like, this is the way to do it. So I think listening to our truth, at least for me, has been scary. And I'm in another big phase of having to listen to my truth and being like, I don't know if I like what it's telling me. But if you don't listen to it, there's dire consequences as well. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a lot to sit with because, um, you know, we all have these roads in life. And I think that's the intuition piece plays into this when you are at a fork in a road, whether it's in a relationship or a career or um, it can be anything that you're trying to make a decision on. It it really is your truth, your intuition, your knowing 
exists. You carry it with you everywhere you go. And it's all about tapping into it. Yeah. And sometimes we don't like what it says. Yeah. Um, Or we fight against it. Yeah. Um, Because the, the culture, the, the loud voices, the external uh, factors that exist for all of us can be really overwhelming. And we feel, especially as women, very obligated to those and, and pleasing those yeah. and serving those. Um, but when we do that at the expense of our own truth, we end up unhappy. Yeah, sick. Sick. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it is a real... It is, it is a difficult admission that, that we, many of us have not been living in our truth. Yeah. Um, we've been living in the truth of what looks right or what we've been told is the good path or what culture, you know, pats us on the back for. But I think the whole process, and it feels like um, a deconstructive process, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Because if you actually don't, I mean, that's what I think this last month was about in the tender program was actually going in and starting to listen to the body and starting to listen to the heart and your intuition, which then allows you to deconstruct what isn't working in your life so you can find truth. Right. So I think it's actually... Because even as you and I started today, I was like, well, what do you think your, your truth is, Kate? And you're like, I, 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 I don't know. And, <laughs> no. and then I was thinking, well, what's my truth? I don't. So, um, I mean, I think truth is always changing, but also that if we aren't like dropping in, really listening, really deconstructing patterns, deconstructing discomfort, deconstructing you know, hard challenged relationships, like we, we can't get to that truth. So I guess it's not a simplistic process to find our truth. No, it's absolutely not. But it's like anything else. The more you practice it, the more you trust yourself and, and the easier it becomes to tap into it. It's like anything else. And so, I mean, I know for years, I, I, I've always had I can think back to really pivotal big moments in my life where I had major gut. Mm, you knew. I knew. Yeah. But my truth is I'm somewhat willful and I'm super passionate and sometimes my mind works in a way that I I'm always kind of arguing against or four, so I mean, lawyer in you. Like yes, and, <laughs> and so, your dad's a lawyer too, right? Yeah. So you were just in that. Yeah, I would try to, you know, use logic or my mind to justify. Well, that's not really what that's telling me. Yeah, I can overcome that. That's just, you know. So for me, you know, my late these later years of being more in tune with myself and trusting myself and making decisions from my point of truth and intuition, I cannot think of one time where it's failed me. Wow. Will you, um, I want to know, because this is something actually the Tentor program really stirred up in me. (laughs) So, um, I mean, it's so interesting that even when you're teaching the content, like I felt like I was in the, oh, I was in the depths with everyone and I was feeling everyone in their depths working and I was like whoa this is so intense I think I told you that night I'm like I can feel them through the computer yes yes energy was literally palpable yeah and I 
feel like it was really hard. So what came up for me really strong, I think it was week three into week four, that I really had to sit with in a very deep way. And I don't think I fully worked through it yet. It's just self-trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and like acknowledging in my life that there are aspects of my life where I actually have a great deal of self-trust. And one of them is my work life. But then there are other aspects of my life where I have so much doubt like I really struggle with my decision making and question things and, you know, don't, don't trust my instincts, even though I feel like I've really worked to develop my instincts. So I'm curious from you, like, do you, where do you feel like you lie on this sort of continuum of self-trust? And are there things that you have seen really help you grow that does it waver or are you really pretty engaged with your own self-trust? Mm. I, it's been a process for me for sure to um, be able to rely on the trusting myself. Mm. I've had certainly had things in my life where I look back and I think all the signs were there. <laughs> you, you knew it. Yeah. You didn't trust yourself. And sometimes I would eventually make the right decision, but I, I make it so much more difficult than I needed and to. And drawn out. Drawn out. Oh my God, that's the story of my life. <laughs> yes. And part of that is me always wanting to be assured of what it was going to mean. Like, what will, what will it actually look like in two years, five years, 10 years? And there's no guarantee of that, right? right. And so when I started living from a place of... Trust what the next right step is. Yeah, that's one of your themes. Yeah. I feel like you always take like, that. See what's the next right step, right. and it's powerful because people really and in, in coaching people, you get caught up in the end result. Yeah, the ten steps down the road or mm-hmm. the twenty steps. And the reality is, it's the small actions and the small steps that move you toward the big things. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're always focused on the big thing, and is it the right big thing, and is it gonna is it gonna look that way when I get there, and is is it the right move for me? And, and you're analyzing that and not taking the small steps. Um, you, you're not really, you're going to continue to swirl in your head and you're going to, you're, you're not going to be action oriented. And that's where, again, talking about the masculine and feminine, really for me, that has been a light bulb moment in the last few years too, of taking the action, you know, using my masculine energy for yeah. that. But then on the feminine side, really allowing myself to feel and slow down and uh, embody and absorb. And so it's really that combination Mm. that um, it's like a daily dance almost. It does feel like a daily process. Yeah, because I think we find our truth through that feminine energy, through that intuitive and like everything we taught in the program, you have to listen to your body and you have to be in touch with your heart. And there's there's sort of like a a deeper knowing that we all carry. So that's that feminine. Mm -hmm. But if you just float in that and don't move forward and take the action and make the decision and move forward with hard things and um, then you're stuck. Right. So it is this balance of listening to our instincts in our gut. And then when we get that hit, we got to move with it. We got to take action. We got to move with it. Yeah. So how do our listeners, because um, 
You and I have talked a lot about this. We feel like there is a phenomenon that happened during the pandemic and that women we know were most impacted by mental health challenges during the pandemic. Clearly they left a lot of jobs. There's been a lot of marital discord, um, challenges with homeschooling, with children. So a lot got stirred up during the pandemic. And so it also feels like there's more women teetering on the edges of listening to their truths and taking big steps that maybe we didn't see prior to this. And maybe it was always there. We just are more honed in on it. Well, I always say the pandemic kind of blow the, blew the rough off. Yeah. And so for communities in my work, all of a sudden, you know, the poverty that's always been there, the injustice that's always been there, economic inequity that's always been there was even more exposed. Yeah. Um, our home lives, it, it exposed marriages in a different way, yeah. family dynamics, um, and friendships, friendships. Yes. Um, all of those things suddenly, yeah, we, it's almost like a microscope was, has been put on a lot of these things for people. Um, it also, I think has, has challenged a lot of our systems, Yeah, right? You can't do that job from home. You know, if you'd asked for that four years ago, the answer would be no. Now, n- nearly 80% of jobs can be done from anywhere. Yeah. So a lot of the systems that frankly kind of kept women down yeah. um, are no longer. Oh, so this is fascinating because I've never had this perspective that actually maybe the pandemic has sort of shifted systems in a way that they couldn't be shifted before. And it's actually benefiting women, which is why we're seeing women changing careers and leaving relationships and doing things that are finally following their truth. Do you think that's, I do. I ah, think, I mean, interesting politics plays a role in this. People have left relationships where there is not alignment in values and, um, having the same outlook on the world. Um, that became magnified in a lot of relationships too. So I do think, I think we're in the messy middle of it all. I think mm. we're not nearly on the other side. Um, messy middle. That's a good term. But that's where a lot of advances happen. That's where a lot of the yeah. magic happens. Um, Pure potential lies in the messy middle. Mm-hmm. But you have to kind of sit in it and you have to, <laughs> you have to like listen and trust. Sit in the shit. Sit in the shit. <laughs> sit in the shit. And then you have, but you have to at some point make a move. You have to, mm-hmm. and, and women, I think we're sometimes more risk adverse. Um, we're definitely caretakers and trying to make sure everyone's okay in that process of the messy middle. Like mm-hmm. things can be bad for us, but let's make sure everyone else is everyone okay. Else is okay. Oh gosh. I How know that one. Yeah. Do that? yeah. Um, and the reality is everybody, no matter the age, really, everyone is kind of processing things now and, I mean, the conversations even our young people are having about their mental health, about society, about the world, they're, they're real conversations and they're, they're driving their behaviors, their choices, and women are no different. So I, I think, I think we're all in that messy area of Mm -hmm. what's next for me personally, what's next for the world, what are my values, what are the, what's. Yeah. And I will say this messy middle, um, 
you know, one of the things that I teach often is that like we need to be able to both see the eagle eye view, but we also need to hone in on the individual as well. Like if you look out culturally, there's so many issues and challenges that it gets really overwhelming. And as one single person, you feel like, ah, how am I going to make a difference? Yeah. And so my teaching has always been like, we have to start at the individual level. Like we can only control ourselves, but our presence, our energy, how we show up, how we make other people feel, how we contribute, how we pick up the garbage on the side of the road, all of those things then impact the collective, right? So there's a interconnectivity of that. And that feels really key right now. And I think again, for women, this is hard because it's saying, go inward, take time for yourself. Yeah, there's, it feels, Listen. It, feel, it can feel selfish. It feels, I think that's an idea that we've all been conditioned with. Right. Is that really taking care of yourself means that then you're taking your energy away from other people. Right. But I do, I think that is the way forward. Yeah, I do The more too. individuals that do their own individual work. The other thing for me is when I started doing more of that, all of the noise out in the world and the things that troubled me daily and brought my blood pressure up and I felt like I couldn't solve for, but I kept talking about them. Suddenly I could even handle that better. Wow. I've never heard you talk about that because yeah. I know you're someone who tweets. Yeah. And so you like, you like, I've, I've never <laughs> been on Twitter. I'm one of those that have never adapt, adopted it, but you are like someone who's really been in it. And I always was like, how do you, do, how do you do that? It's too much information coming, right? Like, ah, mm-hmm. but I love to hear that as you've gone deeper and created a deeper anchor in yourself that you don't swirl around as much with the news or the, the challenges of the world. Like you're still in it, you're still engaged, you're still thinking about it, but you don't get thrown off in the same way. I don't. And I think for myself, I often, that's an escape for people too, right? To, to look at everything on a macro level and be yes. affected. It. Yes. That's an escape. Yes. So, cause um, you don't have to look at yourself for dealing. Right. You can just talk about what bullshit's happening That's on Capitol right. Hill and right. how insane this person is. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so when you, when you, when you're doing and you're really more focused on what you can control and what's happening for you, then you can weather this other stuff and you, and you just look at people's behavior differently. I now say, wow. Mm-hmm. That is a that's a wounded inner child right there. Yeah. <laughs> right? And we have a lot of toxic yeah. masculinity. We have a lot of wounded child mm-hmm. things showing up. Um and people's behavior is 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 just a result of what's going on inside, inside. them. And so it does it does allow you to be more have a little more empathy and understanding. And distance. I feel and like it distance. gives me distance. Yeah. Like when someone lashes out, I know you know, really the way people treat us has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with what's going on inside of them. So, but we personalize it. But if you win and if you can make that shift, whether you're going through a difficult divorce or you have difficult co-parenting or a nasty coworker, any of those things, you can coexist with people in a different way. Yeah. And then your energy ends up helping the whole situation because you're not as yeah. deeply connected to their behavior yeah. or, or responding to it. Yeah. Um, I think about one of the first jobs I had, which was um, in the basement of a hospital. And there was a, a secretary who 
was sort of the head of our little area. And she, I knew she wasn't happy and I didn't know any story about what was going on at home for her, but she was so mean to me and so rude to me. And my little like naive 22 year old self, the people pleasing self, I remember I would try to be so nice to her and so kind to her. And no matter what I would do, she would just lash out at me. And it was so upsetting. And I spent so much time being distressed by it. Like, how can I get this person to like me? And what have I done? And, you know, and now I can see like clearly had nothing to do with me, nothing. And so, um, yeah, how much better it is to be in a space where you can realize people's, you know, negativity and their pain, it does come out at others and how not to take that in and personalize it, I think is such a huge lesson. Mm -hmm. I do that with my kids. They'll talk about kids at school, like they're a bully or, you know, they, they are, they're a mean kid. And, and I will always say, Hmm, I wonder what's going on for that kid at home, right? right? Just to help them contextualize Mm -hmm. that there's always a reason for bad behavior. Right. And when we collectively get to a place where more people are thinking that way and acting that way and have that type of understanding, whether it's in a classroom or a workplace, it changes the whole culture of yeah of that place. Yeah, um, people treat people differently when I you agree. when you think of behavior that way. Um, hey, you posted something on Facebook this week, which I loved, and you said you've had a ton of people respond and comment on it. So share that with us. Cause I feel like that's really relevant to this conversation right now. Yeah. And it's, they're not my words, they, but they did not come with anyone attributed a quote by anyone. So I don't know where it originated, but, um, it struck me and, and obviously a lot of other people too. It says, remember that people love to the level of self-love communicate to their level of self-awareness and behave to their level of healed trauma. There you go. Which is all of that rolled into one quote, right? That yeah. it's um, it's really, uh, it, it does. And I had a conversation with a friend recently who's struggling with a co-parent, and at the end of the conversation, she was like, "You're right. I all of that is going on for them. Mm-hmm. They're going through some really." It's not about me. Yeah. And um, so there's such a an ability to let go that happens and release yourself and kind of surrender to those things, too, that is, I think we often hang on to everyone else's stuff for them. Yeah. So this yeah. is another way of just being conscious of yeah. everyone's really doing the best they can. And the best thing we can all do is our own work. Yeah. And I guess it doesn't necessarily pardon bad behavior. I mean, I think it's still required. We still have this requirement to be sure. in our truth around like yep. and that and, not, and have boundaries around like, I'm not going to spend time around you because, but I think it does just create this space and this understanding of, yeah, when someone has trauma, when someone didn't learn communication, when someone doesn't love themselves, that's what they will reflect into their relationships in the world around them. And, um, yeah, understanding that, I don't know, I feel, um, for me, I just feel in my own body, like a sense of grounding. Like, oh yeah, if 
I could just remember that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> if I could just remember that how someone treats me is not about me. It's about where they're at and what they're struggling with. Just how much kinder we would be. Yeah. 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 And how much kinder the world would be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So let's um, think about what we want to share with our listeners around encouragement for following their truth. Because remember, human life is a difficult classroom. But until we learn the simple fact that it is our truth, that is our power, our salvation, our fulfillment, our purpose, our way. So how do people really um, commit? Because again, yeah. everything we talk about in this podcast is not about there's an <laughs> endpoint. There's an easy no. way to get here. It's all process. It's all practice. It's all like something yeah. we commit to on a daily basis. But like, how do you commit to living your truth, Kate? So like, what is your process in terms of staying with your truth on a regular basis? I think it's really comes down to giving myself quiet time to be with myself and reflect. I think writing for me, when I do that, it, stuff comes out on paper and I reread it. And I was like, wow, that, you know, we talked to Andre about that last week, the narrative therapy side of like getting it out of your head and onto paper can be so therapeutic. Um, but I think for me, it's, it really centers around making time for it, creating um, time every day. And sometimes I get more time than, than others. But when I prioritize myself like that, that's when my truth shows up and questions come up for me. If I'm meditating, it's like, Oh, that's something I've been thinking about, or that's something I need to make a decision on. Um, it gives me the space in which to access my truth. And, and so when, when you build that into your day, in whatever way, sometimes for me it's when I walk. I almost feel like I meditate when I walk. Yeah. Um, a lot of truth comes through for me then, too. So I have just, as I've gotten older, really relied more on myself than running things by other people. Oh, that is so wise. Yeah. There's still times when I want confirmation or affirmation or mm-hmm. support but um, I'm becoming more confident in my own it's beautiful inner voice and and um, and so a lot of the work in tend her was all about you know re-accessing that voice and but you can you you actually have to create the space and time for it yeah. I think yeah so for me that's key what about you yeah I mean I guess I could say ditto. Um, and I'll add just another thing, but I totally resonated with your answer. Um, again, I think, you know, the lessons really were strong for me during tend her. Um, and I just will admit to everyone, it wasn't easy. Like I, (laughs) it felt like, um, a lot got stirred up for me. And in retrospect, I can be like, I was so grateful. That's so good. More lessons, more clarity, but it was hard. And I think it was near the end that, um, you know, I had just putting, been putting in a lot of time and a lot of work and a lot of effort. And I had some decision points that I needed to make about multiple things. And I just could not find my truth. Yeah. I could not find my truth. 
and in the midst of this, I was still meditating every morning because that is just like brushing my teeth for me. I get up and meditate. But I realized that, especially when you're in a stressful time, meditation is just like clearing out the noise. It's almost like during really intense times, I need to double or triple my meditation time because the 20 minutes I sit is just like unpacking all of like the buzziness in my body and my mind. So there was, I feel like it was week four, um, or maybe it was even like we'd, I'd finished the Monday night lecture of week four and then there was some more stuff to finish up, but I had more space, right? That I actually sat outside on the patio for several hours and wrote just like you do. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote in my journal. And I also looked back on past journals and I'm like one of those people that love to read back because it's like what you said. It's like, there's so much truth and I can't believe sometimes how much I know or how wise I am. <laughs> right. <laughs> what sometimes came through. I'm like, oh, did I really write this? Yeah. Did I, how, how did I know that? And then right. I didn't live yeah. it because often we write and then we just close it and move, and move on. on. So rereading is really, it powerful. was really powerful. So I think the combination of, as you said, creating space for myself, doing the writing, like reminding myself as I read back, like I do know my truth. I do know what I need. I do know what I desire was really powerful. And then the only other thing I would say for me that really helps me deduce my truth is just my body. Yeah. You're so in touch with that. But you know what? I wasn't. I mean, that's the irony is that I was so cut off from my body for so long, which is why I think I found the career path I did because I needed to re-engage it. Um, but I do try to just be in such a communion with listening like, oh my, like the last couple days I've had more tension in my psoas muscle, which is the fight flight muscle. And so I'm really trying to tune in like, how am I feeling overly stressed or how am I feeling overly traumatized right now? Like I'm all clenched up there. So it's like my body is always my barometer Mm -hmm. about like what my truth is. Because again, I trust that the body can't lie. Um, The body always knows. I just have to listen to it. Yeah. And sometimes I think our bodies are literally screaming at us to just slow down. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just... You know, when we are taking on so much and doing so much, um, it is the way to, I mean, that's like, you know, getting injured or hurt. It's like literally the body is like, I tried to warn you and you didn't listen. So yeah, yeah, all of those things I think help us access truth. Yeah, And I, you know, the old saying, truth sets us free. The truth will set us free. Yeah. Yeah. So tuning into our truth. There's freedom in that. Yeah. And And I I think a way to end this is some wisdom you just shared a little bit earlier. Um, You know, truth is always changing. Our truth is not static. Our truth, what our truth was 10 years ago is not what our truth is today. And so we do have to have that internal connection to, to our inner self to really know where we stand on decisions we need to make or how we want to move forward. But I love what you said about as you've gotten older, you don't check in with other people as much. You rely on yourself. And I just want to like highlight that because uh, that feels really important 
that no one else lives in your body. No one else lives in your soul. No one else knows what you need. And for me, it has been a challenge in my life that I often would go to other people. What do you think about this? Well, then you get five different opinions. Based on where they are. Right. Based on their template of the world. Things we just read. Exactly. Their level of healed trauma. Their Their self-awareness. Their their self-love. Exactly. And so it's almost like your truth then gets really muddled Mm -hmm. based on, and then, then you add in, well, I love this person and I want to please this person. So maybe I should follow what their truth for me is versus like what your own internal truth is. So I really like that idea of encouraging whoever is listening and encouraging myself, um, just like be with yourself, like trust your inner voice. Don't take it to too many people. Yeah. I, I, I think, um, it's the one time when as women, sometimes we don't, it doesn't help to all come together and group yeah, process. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. When we're trying to make decisions, yeah. I, I think you still having support in whatever you're going through with people going through similar things can be really valuable. But when it comes to the truth about what you need next or what the decision is you need to make, I do think the less noise the clearer the yeah. decision will be. Yeah, it's almost like you need to go to your friend and say, I'm just going to talk out loud about what I'm experiencing right. and just listen to me. Yeah. No feedback, no opinions. Yeah. No, this is what I think you should do. Just hold space and listen. Like, I think that's how we can serve each other. Yes, and I and that's the advice of the circles, right? Yeah, really yeah the women's we circles. break out. It's like, just hold the Active space. listening, yep. Nothing to solve, nothing to fix in this other person, just presence. Right. And for each of us as friends to, to honor our inner truths, right? So I honor that in you. Yeah, you have all the wisdom you need. And sometimes just reflecting that back, like, I know you have a lot that you're going through right now and a lot of decisions to make, but I trust that you will make what's right for you and I will be here. Whatever that decision is, is really important for women to support one another. Yeah. And I think that's the most beautiful gift you can get from another Yeah, is the reflection of, I trust you. I know that you're going to figure it out. You've got everything you need. I'm here for you no matter what your decision is. Like that is, I think the most beautiful gift. So thank you for doing that for me. Yeah. Well, likewise. Blessings to everyone. We'll see you next time. And now the amazing singer-songwriter, Lissy Morris, with Wild West. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Come back and rewild with us again next week.